Today on Moody Presents with Mark Job. What God does when he prunes us is very simple. He begins to take away the things that are draining your energy so that you can have changed character and behavior in your life. For example, do you realize how much energy unforgiveness saps out of your life? Well, it's the weekend where we celebrate a brand new year. And may God continue to use you to further his kingdom in this coming new year. With that, we welcome you to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. He's president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. You know, as we think about our ministry impact in a new year, we realize from this very study that God created us as fruitful people. God is pleased when you and I are fruitful. And that takes us to another one of Jesus' I am statements, where he says, I am the true vine. No vine, no fruit, right? Well, if you can, have your Bible open to John chapter 15, as we listen in on a teaching moment that Jesus is having with his disciples. Here's Pastor Mark. John chapter 15, Jesus says, he's speaking to his disciples as he walks from the upper room where he's celebrated the Last Supper, and he's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's about to pray a prayer and sweat drops of blood and tears while he's walking from the upper room to Gethsemane, he had to walk through vineyards and gardens. Most scholars believe that Jesus gave this little talk that's found in John chapter 15 as he was walking with his disciples on the way to Gethsemane. He says in verse 1 of chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you look all the way at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, it seems like God has a desire for us to be fruitful. He created man and woman and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He created plants to be fruitful. He created animals to reproduce and be fruitful. There's something about if you're healthy, you're fruitful. If you plant a healthy tree, it'll produce healthy fruit. If you plant flowers, you expect that the fruit of those seeds will be flowers. How many of you have already planted flowers this spring? Anybody already? Man, we're all waiting for the last frost to come in, right? Okay, all right, some of you, nah, it's going to snow. There's something about seeing something that you've planted produce fruit that just brings a lot of joy, right? If you've ever had a little garden, you plant a little tomato seeds and you see the little plant emerge out of the ground and it's just a little budding green plant and then after a while it starts 
uh, developing the little vines. And when you see the little bud, the little green bud pop up on the vine, and then it starts to turn red. And finally, when the day comes where that tomato plant is just full of tomatoes and you're able to pick some and take it into the house and use it on your salad, there's just something about seeing something that you've planted be fruitful that just gives you a little bit of a sense of joy, like, yeah, look at it, it's fruitful. There's something about grandparents looking at their children and their grandchildren that, that brings so much joy to their life. How many grandparents do we have here today? Is it not true that one of the greatest joys is to see your grandchildren? Doesn't that do something to you? Why? Because it's part of your fruit. Part of the fruit of, of your genetics that has been produced there. There's something about bearing fruit that gives us a lot of joy. As God, into the spiritual realm, as God looks at our lives, there's something about our lives when we produce fruit that brings this joy to the heart of God. I believe that it's God's will for every person in this auditorium to be fruitful. And so I'm going to talk to you today about the God's fruitfulness plan. There's four principles I want to give you today to uh, stir up fruitfulness in your own lives. And so I want to give you the first principle. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, God's fruitfulness plan calls for eliminating the obstacles to fruit in your life. He says in verse 2, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. So he introduces the concept of three characters. There's the gardener, there's the vine, and there's the branches. The gardener is God. He's the one that takes care of the vineyard. The vine is Christ. And the branches, well, the branches are us. I picked up a little illustration here. This branch has seen better days. But just to kind of understand it a little bit, the vine is more or less the trunk. That's Christ. The branches which are the extremity of the vine, that represents us. Now he says, in this picture, God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. When the gardener goes out and finds a branch that has not produced fruit, he looks, he investigates, he pulls back the leaves to see if there's any fruit. If year after year there's no fruit, then the gardener has a choice to make. Will this branch produce fruit, or should I cut this branch off? The Bible says that the gardener, if a branch produces no fruit, then the gardener has that tough choice to make, and he, he decides that, well, action has to be taken. I had a pear tree once that my father planted in front of our house, and I remember the first year that that pear tree was planted, I ran out to try to see if there would be any fruits on that pear tree. And there was a lot of leaves, but no fruit. 
And I said, Dad, there's something wrong with this tree. And he said, son, well, it's too young. You got to give it some time. So the summer went by and there was no pears. The next summer, the very same thing happened. I went out to look, but this time there were little buds on the branches. And by the time the summer was over, it had big, thick pears on the tree. I remember being so excited about it because I was able to pull off a pear, wash it down a little bit, and eat a pear from the tree that we had planted. What Jesus is saying is that the gardener goes out and he carefully inspects the branch that represents us. He's cultivated, he's watered it, he's cared for it. If there is no fruit on the branch, then the gardener has to take a tough step and the gardener actually has to, well, here we go. He's got to cut the branch off. Why? Because the branch is dead wood. It's not producing fruit. Now, he looks over the branch, and if there's a branch that is producing some fruit, but not a lot of fruit, what the gardener does is he doesn't cut the branch off. The gardener prunes the branch. How many of you know there's a difference between pruning and cutting the branch off? So pruning is cutting sort of the dead tips of the branch. Now, the reason that the gardener prunes is that if, you've never, if you never prune your uh, rose bushes, then ultimately the roses they produce will be very small. Because what pruning does is this. It's very simple. As a branch grows, the energy or the life flow from the vine goes, and if there's a lot of branches, there's a lot of wasted energy. Pruning cuts the extra branches off and, a, and, and it allows the energy to go to places where most fruit is produced. The first principle that God gives us is the principle of pruning in, in, in order to be fruitful. There are some of you here and some of us in our lives go through seasons and times where we look at our life as Christians and we see very little fruit of being followers of Christ. You look at your life and you say, well, I haven't grown very much. You look at your life and you, you, you say, well, I don't know. It seems like I haven't changed a lot in areas that I want to change. And what God does when he prunes us is very simple. He begins to take away the things that are draining your energy so that you can have change character and behavior in your life. For example, do you realize how much energy unforgiveness saps out of your life? When you have someone that you have not forgiven, do you realize how much energy it takes to keep someone in debtor's prison? You have to keep track of them in your mind. You want to make sure they're not doing good. So you stalk them on Facebook. If their status says an unemployed, you say, yeah. If they're dating someone and it changes to broke up, you're like, yeah, they're broken up. 
It takes a lot of energy to manage unforgiveness because what you want is you don't want someone to prosper that you are holding an unforgiveness. You feel like they owe you a debt and so you think about them and you keep track of them and what they do affects you and, and uh, who they talk to you. You want to make sure that they're not telling their story to your friends because they may believe their story. You want to make sure you want them to believe your story. It takes a lot of energy to maintain unforgiveness in our life and what happens when we have unforgiveness in our life it begins to bottleneck the energy of God to produce fruit in our life and so the fruit out in the branches sometimes is small and withered because it's bottlenecked by unforgiveness but we need to take a quick break here from our message with Pastor Mark Job so that we can let you know about an important companion study tool you can have right alongside your Bible. It's called the Moody Bible Commentary, and it's available right now at Moody Publishers. Imagine having a team of 30 Moody Bible Institute professors helping you study the Bible. Well, now you can with this in-depth, easy-to-use, one-volume commentary. It's a comprehensive and reliable reference tool for further biblical insight. Go to moodypresents.org and click the Moody Publishers tab at the top of the page. Again, our website is moodypresents.org. It's a great time of year to think through your Bible study goals right here as we launch into a brand new year. But uh, let's get back right now to our study in John, where Jesus Christ said, I am the vine. Do you realize that anxiety and fear take a lot of energy to manage? Do you know how many hours you have spent worrying about things that will never happen? About problems that will never occur? About situations that you'll never face and you can wonder about the future and worry about what will happen and you're anxious and you're playing out the scenario in your head and you're thinking about the worst case scenario and your emotions are upset and so you have to uh, try to find ways to tranquilize yourself and then you talk to people about it and discuss it with people and you spend all this energy around anxiety and fear and all that energy and anxiety and fear saps the energy of God and the fruit on the end of the branches is smaller because there's so much energy that has gone into anxiety and fear. Do you realize how much energy it takes to, uh, to deal with greed in your life? comparing whether your neighbor has something better than you or doesn't have something better than you and what car they got and you don't have and looking at this person and that person and am I measuring up to the standard? Am I, have I bought the latest or not? The amount of energy that it takes to maintain your greed can be an enormous amount of energy and it saps the life of God so that the fruit on your branches are very small. And oftentimes what God has to do is God has to say, well, for you to produce fruit because I want you to be fruitful, I'm going to have to cut, prune areas of your life, eliminate them from your life so that the fruit of my character can emerge in your life. 
Now, pruning is never easy because sometimes we have to get rid of things that we, are, that we cling to. Uh, you may have a boyfriend right now that it's just an unhealthy relationship and you know it's unhealthy and maybe it's, it's not going anywhere and, and, and in a good, healthy way. And so you may know in your mind, this needs to be out of my life, but you drag your feet on it because it's painful to let go. And finally, when the pruning knife comes, you feel like something has been cut out of you because you've had to take a painful decision. But if but if the Spirit of God has led you to do that, you know that ultimately that will cause you to grow and produce more fruit in your life. But it's painful. If you have an addiction in your life and you're used to uh, calming down your nerves by, uh, by lighting up a little bit of marijuana on the side and you say, well, it's a nerve calmer to me. I just get real frantic at work, but, you know, I just... I just have to smoke a little bit in the evening time just to calm me down a little bit. And, and if the Spirit of God begins to convict you and you realize I need that out of my life, I cannot be dependent on that, I'm losing brain cells by the hour on it. Um, I, I need it out of my life, but finally, when you're convicted enough to get rid of it, it's got to be cut out of your life. But cutting it out of your life is painful because you depend on it, you want it. It's part of you, but you cut it out of your life and it allows you to prosper and grow in other areas of your life. It's called conviction by the Holy Spirit. What God does, if you belong to Him and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, He will begin to convict you about areas in your life. He will move in your life and the Holy Spirit will say to you, that does not belong in your life. That is not you. How many of you have ever felt conviction? You know what it feels like? Let me try to describe it. It's a pain in the spirit. A sadness in the spirit where God is saying, get rid of it. This is not you. This is not who you are. This is not what I've made you to be. This does not belong in your life. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you have two things that you can do when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. Number one, you can harden yourself against the voice of God. You ever done that? You ever feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you one thing and you just don't want to hear it? Nah, 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 nah. You ever seen little kids do that? Someone's trying to tell them something. They go, na, 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 na. They, they, they don't want to hear the voice of God. They don't want to hear someone telling them do something. So they try to drown it out. And spiritually, the Spirit of God starts convicting you about it. And you don't want to hear what He's saying. But you either can harden yourself or you can finally say, Yes, Lord, I know this does not belong in my life. So therefore, I repent of it, which means the way that we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit is that we repent. Repentance means that I've been doing something or living one way, but I'm willing to say I let go of it, I turn away from it, and I go in a different direction, and then God prunes it from our life, and suddenly now we can start growing again. Yeah. 
Listen, some, some of us, there are times in our life where we get stuck in a state of non-growth because what needs to happen is something has to be pruned from our life. In fact, let me tell you that if you, if you know about plants and about horticultural, then you realize that pruning has to take place every year. It's not something that happens once in your life. And I want to say, by the way, get used to it. That if you want to grow in God, there are going to be regular seasons in your life that the Holy Spirit begins to point areas out and say, I want this change. I want to cut it out. It's sapping energy. It doesn't belong. Leave it at the altar. Get rid of it. Repent of it. Get it out of your life because it is not doing good to you. It's not leading you anywhere. And then suddenly, finally, when we take that step, we're able to begin to grow again like our heart desires. But as long as we have that in us, we cannot grow. Are you tracking with me? This is really important to understand. So the gardener goes out and he looks at the branch and he says, this branch needs to be cut off. This branch needs to be pruned because I want there to be growth. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you've been a believer for a while and you look at your life right now and you say, Pastor Mark, I look at my life and I don't feel like I've grown in two years. I'm going to tell you that it's not God because God is there. God hasn't left you. God hasn't abandoned you. God hasn't forgotten that you were there. It's not the word that's changed because the word is there. If you're not growing right now, it's because you're not allowing God to prune you so that you can continue to grow in your life. And there's something in your life that's sapping the spiritual life out of your life, not allowing you to grow. And until you're willing to deal with whatever sapping the spiritual life out of you, you will probably stay stuck in the same place until you say okay bring it on God I'm ready to be pruned the moment this branch is broken off the tree and no longer connected to the tree it cannot produce the fruit of the tree let me tell you what happens in our life often oftentimes what happens in our life is that we spend a lot of time trying to produce fruit in our life when instead we should be trying to be connected to the life of God and the fruit will naturally be produced in our life. Let me explain it this way. I've walked by orange trees before. I've never walked by an apple tree and heard it groaning to produce apples. Never. I've walked by apple trees and never heard... What's happened? Oh, the, the tree's trying to produce apples. Never. <laughs> Never. Why? Because an apple tree naturally, normally, effortlessly produces apples because it's flowing in the life of the apple tree. It doesn't have to strive to produce apples. It naturally produces apples because it's connected to the apple tree. Now, your life and my life, religion oftentimes tells you, here is the standard that you have to live up. Now try to live up to that standard. And we get into sin management. 
we say, well, this week, I'm only going to swear, I'm going to give myself a limit of 50 swear words. Because before it was 100, now I'm going to, now I'm going to knock it down to 50. I'm going to manage my sin. And so you try it, and then if that works next week, I'm going to do just 30 swear words. And then I'm going to eliminate it down to 15, and then 5, and hopefully in, in, in about 3 months, I'll be down to zero swear words. Let me tell you, I applaud your effort. But what that is, is just sin management. Rather than trying to manage your sin, what you really need to do is connect to the life of God. Because as you connect, yeah. As you connect to the life of God and the Spirit of God is inside of you, the Spirit of God will naturally begin to lead you to start talking different, acting different, behaving different. And the fuller you are with the life of God, the more you will begin to change. You are connected to the vine and therefore you are showing the fruit of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor Mark. I'm sure that as you listen, you notice we had to stop right in the middle of a very critical point or two. And we invite you to go back and listen to this entire message again at our website, moodypresents.org. Moodypresents.org. Well, there you'll be able to check out so many other great resources to help you take that next step in your walk with Christ in the new year. Second thing we invite you to do, join us again next week for part two of this message, won't you? I'm John Geiger, and on behalf of Pastor Mark Job, we're thankful you took the time to listen to CSI. Christ said, I am the vine. Happy New Year. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.